Hi, I'm Mr. G, and you're listening to Create, Explode, Repeat. Today I'll be talking with Angela M. Weber. You may know her as one of the sisters in the Double Clicks. Today, we'll talk about rolling a 19, hating music lessons, cats, and her most personal album to date. And we'll dig into the question, who's the bossiest sister? It'd be a gosh darn fiasco if you don't keep listening. I've known about you as the double clicks for a couple years. I I don't I honestly I don't even remember how I landed in the double clicks world. I remember um you did a Kickstarter. Yeah, our Kickstarters were going at the same time. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. And um I think I was I don't know if I was just looking around because I was involved with Kickstarter or if I had a friend that said, Oh, you have to check this out. Um, but I mean, I've just seen the way you approach, you know, creativity. I just you're like a creative explosion tornado, um, and I I, <laughs> I I knew you'd be someone I'd want to talk to. And I have another friend who does a lot of parody songwriting, um, and and he had said, "Oh, you've got to interview, you've got to interview Angela, or and you've got to interview the Double Clicks and and talk to them about you know whatever," and and that just kind of brought it back to my mind that, um, you'd be a great person to talk to. So sweet. Awesome. Where did you grow up and where are you from? And, uh, yeah, where, let's start with that. Where, where'd you grow up? Sure. Um, I'm actually from Kentucky. Uh, we grew up in a really small town called South Union, um, on a, on 99 acres of farmland. Um, and then when I was six, we moved to outside of Boston, um, and my dad was a musician. He's a music teacher, uh, professor. And so we started, I, I started playing violin when I was three and just oh, sort wow. of made like weird radio play tapes. And we had a video camera and would just make like science shows, like basically the same science show with baking soda and vinegar over and over again. Um, and that was like a big part of our childhood because we didn't have like cable or anything. We just sort of made things and had boxes of costumes and, and did strange things. So, okay, well, that was, I mean, that was going to be one of my questions. I was going to sort of yeah. ask, where did you, maybe, what are your first memories of being creative? Did you, I mean, did you always, I think some people don't, they'll say, I'm not creative. Uh-huh. And, and, or, and, and other people, they feel they are more creative. And obviously I'm, I'm going to take a flying leap here that you feel like you're a creative person. Um, when did you first recognize that you were creative <laughs> or, you know like when was that well I don't know I mean I think it was just sort of the activity we saw to do um instead of uh you know we didn't have video games or anything we weren't playing an existing game we would just you know make pretend uh which is what my mom calls D&D to this day is playing make pretend <laughs> um and and so did of you play that, D&D that- with your mom Oh no! But that would be amazing. <laughs> that would be amazing. I, my parents were not so into D and D. They thought that yeah, it was evil. No. <laughs> oh well, yeah. No, that's that's a bummer. Um, but yeah, no. So so we would just make stuff uh, and write little songs. I was very fortunate because um, when I was a kid, 
my dad, as I said, is a music professor. He's a producer. And so we had like a music studio in our house and we were just in the presence of people who would come and visit and make albums. Um, And so to me, it didn't seem like a strange thing to be writing songs and uh, performing and stuff. It was just like, this is what people do and people's dads go and play (laughs) guitar in large auditoriums and that's just what dads do. Um, Where like if somebody grew up with a dad who was a doctor, they might think it more possible to grow up to be a doctor or a scientist, which was a thing that I never imagined was real. Um, since my perf- my parents were performers, um, it just seemed like the natural thing to do and just a normal part of life to be performing and creating. Oh wow! Okay, so you you really you were you were in it. You were in yeah. it from the very beginning. Um, that's that's so cool. Well, that I mean that certainly makes sense of a lot of your how you, to me anyway, as a creator, that makes sense. When I see, you know, the things you're doing, um, that there was, there was quite a long process, you know, of growth, you know, that brought you to that place, you know, where you're creating albums and you're touring and you're making videos and, but you've been doing that since you were a kid. Yeah. I mean, the, the other side of that was, of course, like we were, I was taking violin lessons from the age of three and I was in school bands <sighs> and, and that kind of stuff. And I hated it. I hated being told to practice and I hated playing songs that other people wrote. Um, and I, I didn't really start thinking about music as something I wanted to do with my life until after college, because the actual like process of you know, if you want to be a symphony musician, if you want to play a string, like a violin for a living, you need to have started when you were three and play for hours every day your entire life. Like, that's just who you have to be. And I was not in for it. So music itself was so, so totally not my jam, which is sort of ironic because I did spend hours on it every week, but not the hours I needed to be spending. Um and it it didn't it wasn't super like the actual skill part of music uh, has never been a thing I'm very passionate about. I didn't like lessons and I didn't enjoy it to me. It was just like the most boring homework and I would have rather been reading or doing math problems <laughs> or something. Was, were your parent I mean, were you slated to be some sort of uh, you know, concert musician is that where your where your parents heading you in that direction kind of like uh, parents will say i want you to be a doctor or a lawyer and you're going to you know or was it just you expected to do lessons yeah i mean they weren't overbearing uh super overbearing about it but i know that my father would have enjoyed very much uh if i had been like a fiddler like i remember really hating nickel creek uh, the band. Are you familiar with Nickel Creek? I am Creek? familiar with Nickel Creek. Because my dad so strongly wanted us to be Nickel Creek. Oh, like um, the family band? Yeah, two uh-huh. siblings, and they started really right, young. Right. And it it was like uh, not what, it, you know, and, and it was a very, you know, competitive and jealousy and stuff where I, I and we would constantly be shown like videos and pictures and articles about like prodigy young musicians. And it's like, well, I don't. I'm not that good, so why even bother? Uh-huh. Um, which I think a lot of people have a problem with. Um, if you're not that amazing, why even bother? And it took me a long time to get over that because you know you can't be the next Nickel Creek because Nickel Creek already exists. You have to be a completely different thing, and you have to do what you do best, which for me is a lot more about joking around than being a technically perfect fiddler. Yeah, well, yeah. I relate to that too. I I was never I, I didn't start until I was much late. I didn't start at three. I can tell you that right now. Um, I, you know, I picked up a guitar in maybe in junior high. 
yeah. and started messing around and I took lessons. Um, and, but I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't have aspirations of being, I, I could tell I wasn't going to be the best guitar. I saw like, it was like Eddie Van Halen was the guitar player at the time when yeah. I was learning, you know, and it was like, like, I can't even, I can't even, it's too fast. It's too fast for me. And yeah. I think I tried for a while, but so how did you get over that, that hump? Where was that point where you said, I'm okay being, you know, I'm okay not being the best. I'm, I'm, I'm heading to, I'm making geek rock or I'm making, you know, <laughs> or I'm singing songs about cats and wizards. And it, yeah. how did you get to the point where you were like, okay with that? Are you still in the process? Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it was a long time. Like I, I gave up violin because the the pro- one problem with being in having a professional musician for a father was that I never understood doing music as a hobby. Um, to me, it was just like it's you're either being creative professionally or why are you bothering? You know, which is a really weird situation. Like I'm just now thinking about this now. Like there's lots of people who just sing in choirs and have a good time and that's fun. Um, and to me, it was like, well, if you're not the best, then who cares? Uh, <laughs> But I think eventually I got my head around it. Um, I quit a lot of music and then started playing drums um, in high school orchestra where I could be the best at what I did because I was the only drummer who could read music um, and uh, the only percussionist who knew like what notes were and stuff, which was very helpful. Oh, the timpani, um, right? Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and, and mallet instruments and stuff. Um, and then Aubrey and I started a rock band, which was very fun, uh, in high school. What was that um, band called? That band was called Charisma. Charisma. Speaking of D&D. <laughs> oh, uh, is that what it was related to? I, you know, I don't remember. It was, I, <laughs> I played hilarious. the drums and I was a very typical drummer of like, I don't really care what the art is. And we had a very, <laughs> very intense a uh, vocalist who would write the songs and a very, very intense guitarist who had a lot of very strong artistic ideas and aspirations. And I was like, I'm going to get snacks. Let me know when you want me to lay down a beat. <laughs> um, but I do know that our nerdy fans would write, uh, would vandalize all of our posters so and write Charisma 19 on them, which is a D&D joke. So it's in the highest heart. you can roll, right? Is that the highest you can roll? Or 18, 18 is the highest you can so roll. So it's like 11. It's like turning yeah. your amps to 11 in spinal. Exactly. Pack. It's so nerdy. It's super. So well, nerdy. see, I feel like I understand that now. I didn't, yeah. I, I didn't know that. I played, I, played, I played little snippets of Dungeons and Dragons as a kid. Uh-huh. And I do a lot through gaming, like just different video games I'll play now that I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah, that's a plus five staff of withering and a plus five. Come on. I mean, I'm plus eight, 17. I should, should have made it bigger. <laughs> plus 19, but I didn't want to go plus go 19. Right out of the, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I, you yeah, know, yeah. got to ease into it. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. What were you, you were, um, I guess, uh, you see, let's see, you had asked, uh, how I started doing nerd music, I guess. Yeah. Um, like where, when did you, yeah. How did you make the transition? So you, charisma, yeah. Yes. Charisma that was, was in a, high school. a step towards that. Yes. Um, and then uh, I actually, I didn't do music at all in college um, until the very end when I picked up a guitar, I guess maybe I borrowed my dad's and realized that it was extremely easy to play the guitar. Um, and it, when you play guitar, you can play a whole song by yourself. So you don't have to be in an orchestra where you're just playing like the harmony third violin part, right? You can just make it by yourself and you can bring it to a campfire and people are singing and it's a good time. Um, 
so at this time I was taking a poetry class and writing sort of snarky, weird poetry. Um, and then I, I picked up the, the guitar and sort of was like, I could put these two things together. And I had some friends who were doing open mics at school. Uh, or not, I was sort of inspired by that to like, oh, this must be possible. Um, and then, uh, you know, I don't have a strong memory of what actually happened because uh, it was in the middle of a very deep depression, which is a time when I don't form memories. But Aubrey uh, brought me to an open mic um, where she uh, had been playing cello with all these different bands. And it was amazing to play songs that I wrote in front of people. And it was, they were comedy songs. So people would laugh and people would clap and people would be excited that it was something different um, than what you normally hear at an open mic, which is love songs and sad songs um, and folky stuff. So even though I was not that good at the guitar, it was still feeling like I had contributed something. Um, and then uh, we, we decided to go back every week, which meant that we had to write a new song every week. And then it sort of just snowballed from there. That 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 was amazing. That's a great. I I don't know. Did you the the song a week thing? I'll tell yeah. you. I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, February album writing month. Yes. Okay. That's where I got into song. Like that's where I learned that I believe that I could actually do songwriting like consistently. Like I was always yeah. amazed. How do bands go into studios and just write a whole album? Like. Right. How do they do that? And they didn't have anything prepared. Like that always blew my mind. And then I'd hear the stories of the albums that took like five years to make, you know, like Guns N' Roses, Chinese Democracy, you know, where that it was like the record that would never get made or these big bands yeah. that'll have unlimited budgets and time and, and they never get it done, you know? Yeah. And then there's, there's, there's people like you and your sister who are making a song a week and they're some of them are just amazing, you know, and I, I'm, I'm not going to over compliment here. I know that when you write a song a week, I've done that too. And some of yeah. my songs are just garbage. Yeah. And, but I know that if I don't write the garbage that I don't ever get to those really cool songs. And yeah, d d is there, how do you, how do you turn off that censor in yourself? <laughs> um, you know, I think, uh, Colton uh, says a lot of good stuff about this because um, he he did song a week for a year, um, but basically you just have to have to have to do it. Like you have to tell yourself like, I have to write a song this week, even if it is awful. I have to write a song this week. I, is going up Sunday night, no matter what. Um, and it's helpful, I think, to tell the internet that you're going to put up a song Sunday night, and so then you have accountability. Um, and I think it's really important. Like people can get really trapped in like, I need to make this perfect and then they never finish it and then they never release it and then they can never move on. Um, and that's, to it's not a problem that I have all the time because um, I really just want things to be finished as soon as they start, as I start them. <laughs> now, do you, uh, is someone yeah. now between you and your sister, um, yeah. do, is one of you more the, like the producer, you know, like there's someone that brings a project together sometimes, like maybe the detail person, would you say you're a detail person? Are you both detail? What, how do you guys, you obviously compliment each other. You're still working with each other and doing things with each other. Yeah. So you haven't, you know, <laughs> your whole life together. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. What, what are your um, roles I, as sisters in the creative process? You, you know, um, I'm I'm sort of the bossy one um, <laughs> in that 
nobody can really tell me what to do, so I kind of have to tell us both what to do, otherwise it won't uh, get done. Um, and uh, we both work together on like visualizing projects, but I have, um, you know, I have like office job experience and experience managing things, and I just love making lists and planning things out and setting deadlines. Um, I was a newspaper journalist for a while, which is I think another thing that really helps me get work with deadlines. Um, cause we always just had an overwhelming amount of work to do there was just too much, but you had to turn it in, you know, at seven 30 in the morning or whatever. So I'm very good at like making a plan, hitting a deadline and moving on immediately. Um, so that's, that's sort of my goal. My job is the creation of the tasks and the delegation. And then Aubrey is the one with like the music degree <laughs> and the studio and everything. Um, and it, you know, we, we complement each other very well. Um, I feel very fortunate that I am able to work with her because we have a lot of the, I mean, obviously the same background, um, and the same ideas and we think the same things are good and not good. And we're inspired by a lot of the same stuff. Um, and she brings things to me and I'm like, yeah, you're right. This is wonderful. Uh, it's very collaborative, but I would say I'm the, I'm the bossy taskmaster one. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, self-awareness. It's, yeah, it's, I, think I don't it's a think big, it's bad. <laughs> no, I think it's great. I think it, the more aware, I, I was, yeah. that kind of, uh, I think I, re, I don't know, it was last year, your um, article with uh, Will, on Will Wheaton's blog. Yeah, yeah. Finding the bear that helps you make things. I just, just the title alone was, <laughs> I, I was instantly drawn in. And it's really, it's a, kind of about a lot of this, I think. Um, you yeah, know, absolutely. Taking, Taking your all the self hate and yeah and, the depression uh, and the self loathing exactly. and figuring a way How to challenge I, channel it into productive productivity. I just think it's so cool that you could I don't know put that into a an article you know like to kind of focus that it's just is great this really uh, really really great article and that's something I'm going to direct everyone to also um, yeah everybody and I'll be posting that link everybody everybody. Please. Go. It's got cartoons. I drew. I drew bears. There's amazing bear cartoons and <laughs> amazing self-portrait and accurate display of um, a bag of chips and yeah. just so many things. All the things are accurate in this article. Display of a bag of chips. I'm yeah. gonna put that. That's my new blurb. <laughs> that should be your new blurb. That should be your yeah. whole, almost your whole bio. I think so. so I think it covers <laughs> like just so much. So much. Um, oh. Man, that's this is a great article. Um, Thanks. When would you say you've been the most satisfied in your life? Oh wow, uh, creatively. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> when have I been the most satisfied in my life? Uh, ooh, okay. Uh, are you a Hamilton fan? I'm. I'm. I no. I'm okay, not. I'm well, not not a Hamilton fan. Sure. All right. Uh, I, I I relate very strongly to the. You strike me as a woman who has never been satisfied. Uh, thing. I mean, it's partially one thing, but it's also like, I don't know if I've ever been satisfied and that's why I keep making things. Mm, um, right. Uh, you know, I, I am, this is dorky. I am so proud of our most recent album. <laughs> um, and uh, it took forever uh, to get done. It felt like we were living in hell um, and we were crying <laughs> a lot and there was a lot of stress and yelling. Um, but it came out so good and I felt like we didn't, um, sacrifice anything in it. Uh, and you're referring to president snakes. Yeah. President snakes. 
Um, and I, I'm just so pleased. I'm so pleased with how it came out. Um, and, uh, I, I like our, our other albums also, but, um, this one for like, because it was just Aubrey and I making it, I'm very proud. I'm very proud of it. And it was like, it's the biggest project, you know, we've taken on and, uh, that I've ever done. And it's very personal to me and I'm not ashamed of it. That's, that's pretty cool. That's pretty yeah. cool when you can say that you, so you guys fully produced, recorded, engineered, mixed. Is that, did yeah. you take that whole process for the, cause I remember that, I remember on the first, on Demetrodon, um, it was, uh, Mike Furman working, produced it. Yeah. Yeah. Who was amazing. And we learned so much from him and I, he contributed, uh, a bunch of amazing ideas to that album and I'm so happy we worked with him. Um, and yeah, but uh, we we decided to try to take it on because this album has less comedy and more just like personal stuff. Uh, but yeah, everything on it is ours, except for of course we did a cover song which we did not write. But other than that, it's it's our whole situation. What what's your um, yeah the cover of the middle so <laughs> so good so 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 I when I heard it and that with the video yeah. Um, was I mean I, I posted that all over the place when I saw it. I just couldn't. I was just like, oh my gosh, this is absolutely the best version I've ever heard of this song. Like, because that, that's a, it's a great song. That it's still there. The uh, Jimmy World version is you know well they wrote it and it's astounding. It's amazing. That's why we like it. That's why we covered right, it. Right, right, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and you guys took it to a new place. It's it's kind of like how uh, if you're familiar with Hallelujah by um, yeah. Uh, I, so I always yeah. thought that it was written, um, <laughs> I'm, it's embarrassing for the Shrek soundtrack. Yes. Yeah. Right. But, but I, the, the original, ver- the, um, the version that I knew was, uh, Jeff Buckley uh-huh. and, yeah. and I didn't realize who had originally written it. So he had so embodied the song yeah. and, and owned it, you know, that it was definitely, like it's like Johnny Cash doing hurt. Like you guys definitely did something like that with the middle. You know, just oh, you. so great. Such a and then posting a link. This yeah. will be in there, I'm sure. Um, you've got to check out uh, the entire album. So you you said this is one of your this is your absolute favorite thing you've done. Yeah. Um, what on here? You said it's very personal. Yeah. Um, what on this album? What's coming from you? Are, are there songs where do you write all the lyrics? Do you both write the lyrics? Is is uh, there a I, division of labor, or how does that work? I wrote, I think, all the lyrics on this album. Yeah, I mean, it, some in collaboration with Aubrey. Certainly, the ideas come from both of us, but the actual writing is is mostly me. Yeah. What, what what's something on here that you want to highlight or point out or tell people? Ooh. Is there something you want them to get? Maybe or <laughs> you know on. like the hidden meaning or maybe the back masking that occurs somewhere sure. that you want to point out or you know give us it, a little inside peek uh, to President Snake. Sure. Um, let's see. I mean, obviously, I think "Bad Memories." It's pretty clear that song is has no metaphor in it at all. Um, <laughs> and I'm kind of like that's very scary for us because you know even at the beginning, if we write a love song, it would you know, actually be about Dungeons and Dragons. Um, or if we write like a sad song, it would actually be about World of Warcraft. You know, you kind of hide the feelings. Right. Um, but that one's got nothing. It's just so, you know, but then that requires no explanation. Um, the, uh, this Is My Jam is on that album, um, and which is a song I am extremely proud of. And I love that people love it uh, because to me, it's about a lot of things. 
Um, but it's sort of, I sort of started writing it, uh, because I got real annoyed with people on the internet and in real life and stuff who can't just let somebody enjoy things. Mm. Um, I was actually having this conversation, uh, with my boyfriend, uh, a couple minutes ago, uh, there was an article on 538 today about IMDB and how, um, Sex in the City is so poorly rated on there, even though it's won so many awards. Um, and there's just data to support the fact that if something is not created for men, they hate it and they can't stand that it exists and they will rate it very poorly. Oh, um, instead of just horrible. like, there's a billion other things that are made for you. Just shut up and go enjoy those things. Why do you have to, you know, go watch Expendables? Co crap. Why, why do you have to be so mean to the thing that exists that isn't made for you? You know right, what I mean? Right. Um, and people are the same way with like, well, I don't like Doctor Who. It's dumb. Let's talk about how dumb Doctor Who is and how the costumes are. It's like, I don't watch Doctor Who either, but I don't talk about it. I talk about the things that I do like. Um, and that's sort of what this is my jam. Well, that's exactly what this is my jam um, is about. It's like, you don't have to like. I mean, and it's not just about media or, you know, you don't have to like that women wear lots of eyeliner. You don't have to like that, you know, uh, a person does a thing that you don't find sexy. You don't have to care. Um, and the line is like, and if you if you don't care, like what I do with my life, well, that's great because I didn't ask you. <laughs> um, so it's a very cheerful song. And the video has a lot of dancing children in it. Um, are you in this video? I, I feel like you, uh, you're in one of them. I might be. I... Yeah. Gosh, I don't know. I sent something in with my kids yeah. for one of them. I don't know if it was for This Is My Jam or if it was for... Um, burrito. It might have been for Burrito. Yeah. Um, well, it's <laughs> a bunch of like cheerful children re- dancing around in this video. Um, and it's it comes from a very angry place. But, you know, like that that is sort of what I'm trying to do um, with a lot of our, our stuff is that I get really angry. Like I'm people who know me well know that I'm I'm a pretty angry and grumpy person and I'm not very friendly or pleasant to be around, but I try to take that and then turn it into something that will make people feel better and not make them feel the way I feel. (laughs) Um, And then them getting joy out of my anger then brings me joy. And so it's all selfish at the end. (laughs) But a good selfishness. Yeah. I, that's a, uh, yeah, the, the whole you have to like you have to like my thing, or I just want to be down on your thing. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. I w- wish that could go away. I I don't understand. Yeah. I uh, is it human nature? Is that why? It's are we it's it's in- people who are unsatisfied with their lives, and so they can't stand other people being happy. I've been there. Like I understand that, but it's just I hate it. So right. Right. I have to whine about it. But, you know, it's like anytime somebody attacks me, um, I know that it's from a place of desperation and personal hatred, you know, but it's not like I can fix that. Like, and I don't have to accept that that's a true thing about them or like a thing that's my problem. Um, but it is a bummer. Yeah. Um, I mean, have you gotten have you gotten a lot of like hate? So I, I, so like the Gamergate, um, yeah. you, you guys didn't, there was another song. I'm so sorry that I don't know the title of the song. You have okay. a great song and nothing to prove. Nothing to prove. That's it. Yeah. I love that song. Play that for my girls. Thank I have, you. I have two daughters and, um, it's just, it's great. You know, it's great that to have that, that 
understanding at a young age for, I think for, for everybody, you know, that yeah. you don't have to, I don't know that. Yeah. To, you want to talk about that a little bit? Like sure. the origins, the origin story? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, nothing to prove is about the fake geek girl thing um, where people decided that you had to be basically a white dude with glasses um, it, to be a nerd. And if you weren't, then if you didn't look like you automatically fit in the club, um, then people would test women or like say they were fake or like, you know, you're not really a nerd, like name all the Spider-Man or whatever. Um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I, and, 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 you know, it made me really mad. Um, and so we wrote this song, uh, which is the song itself is just my story of growing up a geek, but the video is, uh, over, I think it's 200. I want to say, uh, women submitted uh, pictures of themselves telling their own stories of how they got into geeky hobbies and how they um, were then sort of tr people tried to shame them out of them. Geeky hobbies or professions. Um, it's be very because powerful. of their gender. Yeah. It's such um, a powerful video. I, thank you. I, I really, uh, really liked making that and I'm very happy that it, it went a lot of places, but yeah, back to the, um, the thing about hate, of course, um, that was terrible, um, comments wise, like it got over a million views pretty quickly. Um, and I had to turn off the comments because I really, I wanted to allow them because there were really great stories of women, uh, that women were bringing in and talking about and feeling very therapeutic about being able to chat about it, um, in the comments on YouTube. But, um, there was so much vitriol <laughs> yeah. and I, I, I was personally, um, you know, like approving comments and erasing comments and stuff. Um, and that just got to be too emotional <laughs> for me yeah. to do. And I just had to turn them off, um, which was a bummer. And then we wrote a song called love song for an internet troll about that experience, <laughs> uh, which is just an angry song and not, not turning it around <laughs> to be empowering at all. No. It was literally like, how can I make this, turn this angry thing into a thing that makes me happy? I know I'll make it a love song, but it is not, it is not happy at all. It's just like me sarcastically yelling at the internet for being, you know, sometimes humans. the internet needs to be yelled at and put in yeah. its place. There are just, sometimes there's nothing else that you can do, yeah. <laughs> but put it, it's very try to put it in its place <laughs> or at least feel better for having had a moment to, you know, yeah. rail against the ridiculousness that yeah. is out there. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Uh, what is your perfect cat? Oh, okay. Um, I used to actually, there was, I have had two cats in my life. Uh, neither of them have been my cat, uh, but both of them have been cats that were willing to hang out with me um, and that I did not have to feed or clean up after. Um, and th to me, that's the perfect cat. Um that cleans up after itself. Well, that, that somebody else itself. is in charge of uh, <laughs> and responsible for, which is just really great. I totally recommend it. A cat that you can just pick up and then we'll just like hang out with you and then we'll sometimes come check on you and make sure you're doing okay and then just sit on your laptop. Um, <laughs> short-haired short cats. I like short-haired cats. Yeah, yeah. Um, my the, the old neighborhood cat I had was named Zoso who would just walk up and down the street and then just walk into your house and decide that you were you were uh, hers and you needed to entertain her for the day, which was wonderful. And the cat I have now is my roommate's cat named Patrick Mewert, who is 
so loud <laughs> and, and moody and weird and soft and perfect. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. And because you, you're out, I mean, you're, you're, you're out a lot, right? I mean, you're on the yeah. road quite a bit now. Yeah, we're gone almost all the time. Um, so I can't own a pet. I want to, but it's just not reasonable. Yeah. You, you I would like to have a cat. That. I know what I'm going to name it. And it'll happen eventually once I'm done, uh, you know, being creative, I guess. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> uh, you won't. You know what? You won't stop being creative. Maybe you won't. Maybe you won't be touring. Maybe. I know, but I can't I need imagine to tour. stop being That's creative. The, the problem with that, and this actually goes back to the Internet thing, is that people are so crappy on the Internet and so wonderful in real life. And so I can't stop touring no matter how tired I get because the happy people who get who have a positive reaction that happens in person mm. so much um and so if i'm just at home all i get are my i found my favorite comment <laughs> that we ever got uh today um and the the comment is nice song and then in parentheses all caps sarcastically <laughs> <laughs> he got me. He got me so good. It's just like snarf. Yeah, it's like so. I need to still tour so that I don't have to only deal with those people. Because <laughs> the people that are coming out to your shows are generally pretty awesome, super duper great people. I mean, have yeah, you had like people come to your shows that are horrible or no? I can't, no, I mean, I feel people like don't have so the energy to be at a show in protest. Like, people people who want to be mean on the internet or want to bring other people down just don't have the energy to go do that in real life a lot of the time. Um, certainly not for us. So, yeah, no, those, uh, we, we have just the most wonderful audiences at our shows. It's really great. Yeah, I, I've seen, and I haven't been able to come out and see. I really wanted to when you were in L.A. Yeah. With three, with three kids, it is definitely a lot harder to get out. Yeah, That's and we've never done part. an all-ages show in L.A., I know. which is my there's bad. Some, you know, there's some really, there are a couple, I'm trying to think. There's a, there's a great comic book store in Claremont um, uh, that, that would actually, might do something like that. Yeah, and I know we've tried Rhino to book a too. ton of them, but it's never worked out, but, you know. The Folk Music Center. Someday. So Ben Harper, he's a, I don't know if you've ever heard of Ben Harper, but he's a pretty amazing musician and his family owns this uh, folk music center, uh, folk music store in downtown Claremont, which is really close to where I live. Oh, cool. Um, is that and, McCabe's? Uh, no, not McCabe's, although that's another great, super great place. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just called Claremont Folk Music Center. And his oh, he's okay. wor- he will go in there and work sometimes. And he's, if you haven't heard him, he's ridiculously amazingly talented that sounds um, awesome yeah um uh let's see here uh the cat question oh who who, who would you say is your role model you know who who is uh, someone out there that that you you know you model yourself to. i there's musicians that i know that i look to many times you know yeah who are people or musicians or both yeah sure i mean i think uh you can't be anybody else uh but uh, I love Amanda Palmer so mm. much. Um, just her, uh, she, she, it, okay. I keep wanting to swear and then <laughs> do it sometimes. Um, it's not that she gives no darns. She obviously cares what people think about her, but she acts as though she does not give any darns. Um, and she, you know, she creates for the people who, uh, who are going to like it and doesn't care about the people who aren't going to like it. Um, and she talks about that in her book. And uh, 
and her songs are so extremely moving um, and valuable. Um, it's uh, it's something I really, really admire, and I, I I love her very much. Is there something by her that you would recommend to everyone to check out? Um, favorite thing? What is the book called? I don't know. Uh, book. Her book is called The Art of Asking. Oh, yeah. I yeah. saw that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I saw you mention that, actually. Yeah. Yeah, she's amazing. Um, she, uh, uh, gosh, her book is great. Um, she's got a song called... Uh, well, she's got a lot of amazing songs. Um, she has a song called In My Mind, In uh, which I listen to uh, whenever I need a reminder that you can't do everything um, <laughs> and you can't be everyone. Uh, the you know The message of that song is like, I, I, I always thought at this point I would have done all of this stuff, um, but and I haven't. On the flip side, I have done all of this stuff that I didn't know what I was going to do, and it is physically impossible for me to do everything. So there you go. Right. Um, and then if you want to just cry for hours and hours, uh, the song, the the bed song off of her um, uh, her album she did with the Grand Theft Orchestra is, I literally cried for an hour while watching that song. Like, and it wasn't the first time I'd seen it. <laughs> um, and it's just. Uh, it's just a song about a relationship growing apart, um, and if you've ever been in one of those, uh, it's uh, it's it's a real emotional experience, and I definitely recommend it. It's cathartic. Uh, yeah, weeping. Yeah, she's just she just knows how to put words together and how to put music to words. Um, she's done some amazing stuff with Ben Folds and a bunch of other great people. Oh, Ben Folds is great. Um, she wrote a song called the Ukulele Anthem, uh, which a lot of people. Um, really, really like, which is about how it's not hard to play the ukulele and you don't have to play it well, but it is still good for you to create art um, and to express yourself. And I mean, I don't know. That sounds like a theme that runs through a lot of your stuff too. Yes. Right? I I mean, I think that's definitely. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Yeah. So just check out everything Amanda Palmer's ever done. Everything by Amanda Palmer, everybody. Just just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, What... What would you consider uh, one of your more significant accomplishments in Ooh. your in your uh, personal or professional career as a entertainer or human being or whatever or both? Oh, sure. I mean, I think nothing to prove is probably the thing that has hit the most people. Um, the nothing to prove song and video. Um, I think it helped a lot of people bring uh, words to the thing that, I mean, a lot of people had been talking about it, but because that particular song went viral, um, it, it helped some people put words to a thing that they were experiencing that they were unable to previously put words to. Um, and that's a helpful thing for people who are processing and dealing with negative energy. Um, so I'm very proud of that. Um, I don't know. Some, we have a song called, um, clever girl which is a song about uh, the velociraptors in Jurassic Park and how they have unrealistic expectations thrust upon them by society, by the scientific inaccuracies in that movie. And and, and it's a song about body dysmorphia and, you know, Hollywood and stuff um, and magazines and and things like that, but it's also just a song about dinosaurs. And one of my favorite things is um, seeing little girls sing along with that song not knowing what they're singing about. or what the message of the song is like, it, I, uh, you know, my, my ultimate goal in life is that if someday a person turning 30 can be like, I just, re- I just got the message 
of this song that I, for some reason, my parents made me listen to when I was four. And it's helped me without me even realizing. Like, I just want some human to have a song that I wrote stuck in their head, uh, you know, 20 years later or something like that. That would be really nice. You haven't had that? No one's come to you? I mean, you've got to have had people come to you and say... This song has just meant so much. I know you have. Don't don't tell me you well, have. Well, yeah, no. Yeah, I, certainly. But the particular scenario I was outlining involved several decades of time. Okay. Passing. Oh, yes. You're talking about the decade. Okay. Looking back. Yeah. 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 Because um, that I love a song that has, like onions, many layers. <laughs> yeah. Like Shrek's many layered onion. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come you on, know, Shrek. Come on back. Um, because, uh, like, just... You, taking something like a dinosaur, taking that yeah. line and then making it into so many other things that you can take on so many different levels and yeah. enjoy it at so many different times in your life. It's just cool. And I mean, that doesn't happen with every song, right? I mean. Sure. But yeah, the songs that I have always liked um, have done that for me. And it's always really fun for me to sort of figure that out. Like I'm a huge They Might Be Giants fan. Mm, yeah. Um, and you know, obviously they have songs that are just straight up riddles or things that you figure out. It's like, Oh, this song is about a nightlight. I get it. Um, but they are, their songs also have really great messages that like when I was a kid, I didn't really get, but they're a very feminist band and they have a lot of great songs about like, you're great and you're worth more than this. Um, and you don't really understand, like when I was listening to their songs at, you know, 12, 14, 16, like I didn't, you know realize what I was listening to necessarily. And then there are also sad songs about love and all of these things that it takes a long time just because of their wordplay and their genius. Like you keep understanding them as Mm. years pass and they have, they have been a big influence in my life. How about Weird Al? Gotta love some Weird Al. (laughs) He's not got as many just outright feminist messages in his music. No, he doesn't. uh, Good stuff about food um, and a genius (laughs) songwriter, uh, obviously. He's he's amazing. I, um, God, there was a, okay. So song song story, like uh, one of the songs that blew me away. I don't know if you're familiar with Semisonic, Dan Wilson. Um, I don't know if I am. Okay. Well, he's got a song called Closing Time with his band Semisonic. Closing Time. Okay, yeah, I am familiar with Closing All right, Time. So it, it's pretty... I know the story you're about to tell, but you should oh, tell it for the okay. listeners. For the listeners, uh, this is a great song, and you have to look up the story behind Closing Time. But I just always assumed when I first heard it that it was a song about, you know, heading out of the bar at night. The store is closed. You can't stay here. You know, you, you got to go somewhere. Yeah. But the hidden message in the story, you want to share, you got to share the hidden message. You know the hidden message. Oh, sure. It's about when he had a kid, but you can't write a song about that. That's boring as crap. (laughs) People don't want to hear about your kids. Nobody wants to hear about how you're an adult and now you can't go out to the bars anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought that was so cool. I thought it was so cool that it, it, for, I mean, as when I first heard it, I just, it just rocked. I just thought it was about the, about nightlife and leaving a show and having to go yeah. somewhere else. And then as an adult later hearing it as an adult with children hearing yeah. that, Oh, that's about his kids. And like, it's like that, you know, it's like peeling back that onion again. It's yeah. like hearing that clever girl is, is not just a funny Jurassic park song, you know, it's a whole lot yeah. of other things. It means so many different things. So uh, that's yeah. just, yeah. I don't think we're that subtle, but yeah. Yeah, well, right. <laughs> Maybe not as subtle, but uh, you know, 
Um, well, creativity is, you know, part of what we're talking about in our podcast. Um, do you think, can people be trained to be creative? Is it a teachable thing? And if so, how can p- people become more creative? Because I think people are going to listen to this when mm-hmm. they, when they come back looking for things on creativity. And, um, I mean, what do you, what can they do to, to enhance that or improve it? I don't know. You know, I honestly don't know the answer to that question, but I will talk anyway. Um, <laughs> Because to me, I feel like everybody has the potential to be creative and there are things that stop you, for example, trying too hard to be like someone else, comparing yourself to something that you can't achieve, which is silly because you can't be anyone else, You can, but you, can, you are uniquely qualified to be you. Um, so the thing that makes you unable to, to be, you know, Peter Gabriel, I don't know why that came to my head, is the thing that makes you able to be Mr. G or whatever. You know, it's... Right. Um, I think also... You know, if you feel like you're stuck and unable to create, then you just need to consume. Because <laughs> um, uh, uh, have you seen Everything is a Remix? I've heard of that and I haven't seen it yeah, yet. Yeah, it's on Vimeo. Um, but it's it's about how everything is derivative of everything else, obviously. Right, right. Um, things that are literally remixes or samples or copies, but also um, how everything we do builds to more creation in the world. Um you know, somebody had to invent the guitar so somebody could play four chords so those four chords could be the basis of every song. And it's it's wow. not a thing to be ashamed of to be derivative of another work as long as you are able to transform and add something new to the narrative of the world. So I think um, just consuming stuff and different stuff and combining different ideas into things, um, you know, it... it will help you be more creative if you have a lot of diverse influences in your life. Do you have practices like daily things that you do? Do you have a, do you have a space, a creative space where you become creative? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like a room or a location or a time? No, I, I don't. And I, I mean, I know people do and I've at times had, uh, routines and stuff to me. Um, I am always, I think I fear, uh, thinking, and being in my head. I'm a person, especially recently, um, after I ended a long relationship that involved me being with another person all the time, I realized I had to be alone with my thoughts if I didn't uh, stop that from happening. And so I will like turn on a podcast all the time or, you know, silence the voices. And the thing that makes me creative is to have to sit alone with my thoughts and I just take out a piece of paper um, and a pen and throw my phone away. And, uh, that's really all it takes for me. Um, you know, sometimes it doesn't work and sometimes I'm not in the mood and I have to force myself to be in the mood, um, Mm -hmm. by just, you you know, one week it's due Sunday night. Yeah. Well, yeah. And at a certain, like, well, I've got writer's block or I can't do this or, you know, um, is certainly a legitimate problem, but at a certain point you have to stop letting yourself give yourself exclu- excuses and just mm-hmm. bear down and make it, mm-hmm. you know, like you have to, you have to go for that run. You have to like lift your weight. You have to go into the world. You have to just make it. Um, and that's, you know, I could spend a long time creating an ideal workspace or a lot of lists or, you know, a time or whatever, but I just kind of need an unfettered moment where I force myself to do something. That's so the but only- do you, you give yourself deadlines of some sort or no? Oh yeah. I mean, I give myself deadlines, but that's, I don't think the creation of a deadline makes you creative. I think being 
sitting down and making something makes you creative. Oh, right. The, the yeah. creation process. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a really, uh, I'll, I'll throw a book at you that Stephen King wrote a really great book on writing. On writing. Yeah. yeah. I love, it's just excellent. It's just one of those books that like I pick up and read and I get inspired because I'm not a writer at all and I don't aspire to be one. Um, mm. But I see in him lots of the, the work behind creativity, mm-hmm. which there is, there is there's a lot of work, you know, there's the crafting, there's the, the redoing the, you know, with, as a musician, you know, you're, you're working on a melody or you're, you've got the basic idea or maybe you have the chorus and the verse, but you don't have the second verse, you know, and yeah. it's, I hate the second verse. The the first verse of the chorus are just like all great. And then it's just that work of grinding out verse two, which can be, you know, but I, and you've obviously pushed through that because you, you had to, you know, or you write a song that only has one verse and screw it, (laughs) you know, every girl only has one verse. Yeah. So that's, that's another thing I love about, I, not having uh, like limitations, I think are good. Yeah. But I also think that, you know, I think because you, you become that band that never completes anything or you become that person who says, Oh, I want to write a novel. Yeah. You know, but, but you don't, unless you, you know, get to the, get to the work of it. Well, yeah. I know our time is, is wrapping up here. Okay. And cause it's, it's gone almost, by so fast. I know it went by really fast. I feel like we, yeah, it was super fun. And I'd love to talk again sometime, but uh, I wanted to ask you um, just for a few things. I know you're working on things all the time. You have all yes. the things and we didn't even bring up uh, several of the, all the things that you do. Yes. So can you tell me some of the things that you want people to go and check out that you're doing right oh, now? Gosh, Cause I know you I got gosh so darn fiasco and Absolutely. catty bees and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Let me just, I'll just walk you through it. Walk um, me I'm through it. Take, I, you could take as long as you want. I'll go, Great. I'll go over and you can roll out some of that stuff. Cause I don't, we don't, <laughs> we don't have to stop, but I definitely want to. Yeah. So I'm in a band called the double clicks. We have a bunch of albums on iTunes and Bandcamp and stuff. We have a monthly show on YouTube and a whole bunch of videos up there. Um, and we're about to go on a huge tour this summer, um, starting on June 14th in Fort Collins, Colorado. We're going all kinds of places and eventually back to California. I know California, we don't have dates yet, but we have dates everywhere else. So you really should come see us, whether you are in Toronto or, you know, Orlando or Texas or St. Louis, Missouri, we're everywhere. You're going to hit but all the major coasts. All the major coasts. Um, <laughs> it's going to be a good time. Um, uh, I am... Uh, I have a podcast called Gosh Darn Fiasco in which I play the game Fiasco, which is a role-playing game with uh, improvisers, game designers, funny people, nerds, and friends. Uh, It is a new story every single time, and we just sort of, we make it up. We make it up based on some prompts from the Fiasco playset. You can check that out at goshdarnfiasco.com or just search the word gosh in your favorite podcast app. I recommend it. I am extremely proud of that podcast. I also have mm-hmm. a web series called Caddy Bees, which I make with my friend Lucia Fasano. Um, and you can find that on YouTube or just go to caddybs.com, caddybees.com. Um, and that is, it's a feminist cat themed advice show where we'll tell you how to do your makeup and how to make food and how to use the internet properly as a woman. So it's a lot of really <laughs> great advice that is not at all just weird uh, and sarcastic. Um, 
in any way. Uh, in that show, Lucia is her ex is Kingpin from Daredevil. Um, so that's a weird situation going on there, and there may be aliens, um, and I'm very proud of that as well. <laughs> uh, generally, if you just that's follow great. me on Twitter at Angela M. Weber, uh, you will find out about what I do, and I also have a tiny, new, a tiny letter where I send out links to all the stuff I'm making, so sign up for that. Okay, everybody, you heard Angela, and she said to sign up for it, and I expect you to go and sign up for it. Dar- yeah, dar- tinyletter.com slash Angelaser. Yeah, and and I will post links to all the things in the show notes and wherever this cast ends up going. So please please do. I'm just making a bunch of stuff trying to figure out what I'm doing in this life, and I encourage you to do the same thing. Well, thank you so much for yeah. uh, sharing and just hanging out. I appreciate it. I feel like I I I've peeled back the magical Shrek onion just a little bit on <laughs> on Angela Weber. And um, what's the what's the what's the M for, by the way, Angela M? Uh, yeah. Do you, you share that? Uh, <laughs> I would. I almost want to. I was um, the very funny author Sam Sykes, but by his book uh, has started just coming up with various things that the M stands for. So I'm just gonna leave that out in the world. <laughs> nice mystery. I would. I would prefer. Yeah, Angela Mystery Weber. <laughs> it can be whatever it needs to be in the moment. I, I like that. Yeah. All right, it's like the mystery box. All right. Well, thanks again, everybody. uh, Be safe. Uh, Go explode something. Go destroy something. Go create something. Drive safe, everybody. Drive safe. Be kind to your animals. (laughs) Don't get wet in the rain. (laughs) And stay dry. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, thanks for being here. And yay. Oh, I'll stop recording too. Oh, gosh. This has been an interview with Angela M. Weber. Today, the M was for mystery. What do you think the M stands for? Leave a comment or tweet at her to let her know what you think it stands for. Please support Angela and the Double Clicks and all things by supporting their Patreon, buying the new album, President Snakes, or just jumping in and saying hi on the Twitters. Special thanks to my viewers, listeners, and people who ask the great questions and uh, give me the ideas for these podcasts. I'm your host, Mr. G, and you've been listening to Create, Explode, Repeat. <laughs>